Did you know that Joe was invited to the Zima release party? He's that kind of guy. I bet he put Chambord in his Zima. I bet he's that kind <laughs> of guy. I did not, but I I did not, but I did arm wrestle Mark Henry that night. I believe you offered and, and Mark Henry politely declined in respect to your shoulder. This is true. Well he yes, he backed out of it. <laughs> For business owners. For fact. By business owners. This is the Primed Income Podcast. Let's pop into the first one with Jeff. The myth of the USP. What is a USP? Why is it a myth? Why is it that every time a salesperson walks into a place of business, the first thing out of their mouth is, so what's your USP? <laughs> I, I'm not sure that the salesperson does that, but I think, you know, the question is when it comes to TV and radio, local ads, right? Why are so many of them so bad? Why do they suck so bad? That should be the first question, even beyond the elements of taste or like, man, that that ad sucks. Why do so many of them fail to produce results where it is a common refrain for people to say, I tried radio and it didn't work, right? If you start from why is it bad, right? There's a couple of reasons, but one of them is this myth that you need a unique selling proposition and a unique selling proposition or USP was coined by the Ted Bates agency back in like the 50s. You were supposed to come up with something that your product, and this is like it's sort of like the early stages of consumer society, right? Post-war consumer society. Your product had that no one else had. So the classic example is M&M's melt in your mouth, not in your hand, right? Because they were candy-coated chocolate, unlike every other chocolate. The simple truth is that most businesses don't have a USP. Also, most customers don't care about your USP. So what, what happens is they try to create these copy points of why to answer this question of why buy from us rather than somebody else. And uh, so you get this bullshit answer. Like we've been in business since 1987 and, and we're family owned and we care and we have great customer service. So true. <laughs> right? The salesperson says, well, why, why, you know, what would you like to put in your ad? Why should we tell people that to use you instead of someone else? And that's what gets put. Those are the copy points that get sent out. Mm -hmm. And some poor schmuck has to make an ad about them, those copy points. So when, when the USP came out, it was this unique selling proposition and product base. I've heard the rumor that you can't sell products. You can only sell ideas. And it's the idea that resonates with people. And it's the idea that people get connected to. And then they make that decision because whatever is happening in their life, it's going to be solved with this idea. That opens up a whole can of worms. But it's kind of like, what are we really selling? Right. Are we selling something that has a very short sales cycle? And so you're, you're going to tempt them into buying it. And is it something they want to buy or something they have to buy? Is it a grudge purchase? Right. So I know a lot of partners talk about internal versus external sales triggers. Something like fast food or Coke or, or like luxury, most luxury products, expensive bottle of scotch, something you want to buy. Something you can be tempted into buying. 
Whereas like a moving company, I can't tempt you into buying, you know, services of a moving company. It doesn't matter how nice my moving company service is. You're only going to buy that if you have to move. And that's a longer sales cycle, right? So the idea is how do you convince someone to buy something sometime in the future? Why would they listen to your ad if your ad is utterly irrelevant? So if you're in the market for a car and I'm saying, we've got deals, deals, deals. Well, if you're the 5% that's in the market for a car right now, or maybe it's 3%, I can tempt you to come down and see my deals. But you're wasting 97% of your budget because everyone that's not in the market for a car isn't going to listen. So you need to get people to listen to your ad when they're not in the market for what you sell. And most of the people we work with have long sales cycles, right? Whether that's roofing or flooring or diamond rings, yeah. It's a longer sales cycle, right? right? So you have to interest them in what you're talking about when they don't need what you sell. And a lot of times if it's a grudge buy, you can't generate demand. So selling the product is usually a, a mistake. There's two ways of doing that. One is you can have entertainment. You make your ads entertaining to listen to, and people will listen to them anyway. In Wizard World, we say that entertainment buys the attention of a too busy world, right? That's that's the the other thing you can do is you can make the product a reflection of them, right? I may not need a new pair of pants, but I may desperately want to project youth with my Levi's. And so I buy them regardless of the fact that I don't need another pair of jeans. And so that's where you get in the idea versus the product, right? Instead of making a decision based on sort of consumer reports, this will give me the most bang for the buck. You're making a decision based on what kind of person am I and what kind, what would that person buy in this situation? So let me ask this in a, a place that can have an, an almost unpredictable sales cycle, be it like a, a dentist that works on a tooth that's hurting or a chiropractor who – when somebody hits 40, it's a steep cliff to deterioration and the back gives out. And now, okay, how do I fix that? What would be the strategy for somebody like a, a chiropractor to say, when that time happens, this is the place to come to? Okay, so the first thing, and this gets back to that USP myth, right? A chiropractor does not need to be a unique chiropractor, right? Like your back is hurting. You don't think, well, I need a chiropractor that's unique, <laughs> right? <laughs> Most of the time, whatever benefit they provide won't be unique, right? The benefit they provide is they make your back stop hurting and they help you get in better shape overall, right? They realign your spine and they give you all this relief. And if you go to them regularly, you don't hurt anymore. Well, any good chiropractor ought to be able to provide that benefit. So if you're going to focus on what makes you unique, you're going to focus on things that are irrelevant to the customer because what they're looking for is that pain relief. That's why most ads suck because the chiropractor is uh, – um, yeah, and I can't find where that phone is. I don't really. I'm pretty sure that it's all about organic crickets when it comes to chiropractors. Yes, it's all about organic crickets. <laughs> Our crickets anyway, are the most organic. That's our USB. You know, for their TV ad or their radio ad, what they do is they try to figure out why you should be. And they come up with bullshit answers like we've been in business longer, right? We're the biggest. Or I'm a third generation chiropractor. Give me a second. I'm going to find that fucking phone. 
Because it ain't this one. What a pain in the back. It is a pain in the back. So they're asked to, why are you better? Why should someone come to you? And they give these bullshit answers that nobody really cares about. Then the ad is made. The myth is that, that you need to give somebody a unique reason to, to go to you. And you don't. You do need to establish some kind of bond with the customer. You do need to show up uniquely as you when your ad comes on. And you do need to establish some amount of trust. And the bonding and the trust is kind of similar, but that's the name of the game. There's a lot of evidence for ads. They took these people and they showed them an ad. Now, granted, it was just one ad one time. It's not entirely indicative of how advertising works. But when they asked them, what ads do you remember? Only 40% of the ads they showed them did the person remember. This is a day later. So 60% of the ads were not, didn't even make enough of an impression to be remembered. That's huge. Now, of the 40%, only 40% of that 40% could people say, I not only remembered it, I know who it was for. So if you had 100 ads, only 16 of them were both remembered and identified with a company that actually put the ad on. I'm so happy you did the math on that. I was like, what's 40% of 40%? (laughs) 84% of the ads either weren't remembered or weren't attributed to the company. Wow. That's astounding. And so one of the things in modern research in advertising is this move away from differentiation, USP, towards distinctiveness. So if you're distinctively you, if you're using these what they call brand codes or brand assets to make sure that people, they hear the ad, they know that's an ad for Joe Schmo chiropractor, you've already won half the battle. And if your ad is distinctive enough that it breaks through the clutter and people remember hearing it, now you've won three quarters of the battle. And if you just make people like you a little bit or have some amount of trust to you, now you've won the whole game. And none of it has to do with a unique selling proposition. So if you can get out of your head this notion that you need that, your ads will improve. If you can get out of your head that that notion and instead focus on, I want to show up distinctively as me, and I want to give people a reason to like and trust me. Your ads will get better just from that. That's why we call him the professor, Jeff Sexton. Find more professoring at primedincome.com. All right, Evan, turn the recording off.